The pipe organ dates back many centuries. There are records of pipe instruments powered by water as far back as 250 BC. Today, we will explore music written for organ that predates the Baroque era and listen to what organists were playing in the 14th to 16th centuries. Welcome to the King of Instruments. Today's episode of the King of Instruments has been made possible by the Quimby Pipe Organ Company of Warrensburg, Missouri. Hello and welcome to the King of Instruments. I'm Mark Schultz. I'm Bill Stein. Many of these works are brief in duration and countless have no composer named. Luckily, that is not the case for our opening piece, the Agincourt Hymn, composed by English organist John Dunstable. Dunstable, born in 1390, is one of the composers who moved music from the medieval era to the Renaissance. Performing Dunstable's Agincourt Hymn is organist Kevin Clark, playing the 1961 Aeolian Skinner organ of the Episcopal Church of the Incarnation in Dallas, Texas. From the pen of early 15th century composer John Dunstable, that was the Agincourt Hymn. Let's go back a few years, circa 1350. A collection of organ music was discovered and named the Robertsbridge Codex. Although discovered in Robertsbridge, Sussex, the music is believed to be Italian, and the compositions have Italian names. 
organist Walter Gatti plays an estampier, an Italian dance. He performs this on the 18th century Marzi organ of Lucerna San Giovanni, Italy. This historic instrument has one manual and 15 ranks. Around the year 1350, that was an estampier, a dance movement played by Walter Gotti. The Buxheim organ book dates from 1460 and includes over 265 pieces composed for the keyboard instruments of the Buxheim Charter House in Germany. Although most of the works were written by anonymous composers, some are named, such as John Dunstable. Guillaume Dufay an early French Renaissance composer, also has works in the Buxheim organ book. Let's listen to two of his pieces. Playing the Franck Gentil, translation, An Open and Gentle Heart, and C'est la face I parle, which loosely translates, If my face is pale, I'm in love, is organist Joseph Payne. Payne plays the 1706 Rint organ of Emmaus Chapel in Germany.
We just heard two mid-15th century compositions by French composer Guillaume Dufay, played by Joseph Payne on an early 18th century rint organ. American organist and instructor Kimberly Marshall has spent the better part of her career studying early music and bringing it to the concert stage. One of the collections she performs from is titled the Susanna von Solt Notebook, dating from 1599. Susanna von Solt was the daughter of a wealthy Dutch trader living in London, and it is believed she copied these 33 compositions that were written by her teacher. It is fascinating and fortunate to have a woman's name on music that dates to the late 16th century. Kimberly Marshall plays three short movements from the Susanna von Solt notebook, Mein God, Preludium, and Pavam Primera. Listen for the use of the Nachtigall, Nightingale Stop, on this second piece. Marshall plays these on the 1987 Rosales organ of Trinity Cathedral in Portland, Oregon.
You're listening to the King of Instruments on Classic 107.3. From the recording titled Divine Uterp, that was organist Kimberly Marshall playing three pieces from the Susanna von Solt notebook, dating from 1599. We are listening to early music today on the King of Instruments. English composer Thomas Tallis was born sometime in the early 16th century, perhaps around 1505, and he died in 1585. His choral music especially is still a favorite of choirs today. Organist Magnus Williamson plays Tallis' Fond Youth is a Bubble on the 2001 Getz and Gwynn organ in Durham Cathedral, England. This small instrument, ideal for works like these, has one manual and seven ranks. From the recording, More Sweet to Hear, that was organist Magnus Williamson playing Fond Youth is a Bubble by 16th century English composer Thomas Tallis. Jeanne Titelouz, born in 1562, was a French organist, composer, and priest whose life spanned the end of the Renaissance era and the beginning of the Baroque era. Titelouz is known as the father of the French organ school, and his works are the first known published French organ music. David Warren Steele plays four verses of the hymn Ave Maristella by Titelouz. We will hear Plainchant en Basse, Fugue, Canon, and Point d'Orgue. Steele plays the 2001 Wilhelm organ in the Paris Yates Chapel at the University of Mississippi. This instrument has two manuals and 32 ranks.
You're listening to The King of Instruments on Classic 107.3. Forgive the brief break from early music, but we're jumping ahead into the 20th century now for a few minutes. Now, last week we talked about the great organ of the Boston Music Hall and how America was trying to catch up with the rest of the world in the construction of concert hall organs. By the 20th century, they were well on their way. Municipal concert halls were springing up all over the country. By the early 20th century, the symphony orchestra had grown to something that we would recognize today, so halls that could accommodate the larger ensembles were needed, and more seating for the larger and larger crowds that flooded to the concert halls was required. More immigrants continued to move to the United States from Europe, and they continued to supply as audiences, but also audiences that were used to good music and expected to find it here. Organs were included in the designs for these halls, instruments that could both fulfill their role as a member of the orchestra when called for, and also to supply solo music and be the entire orchestra in themselves. Industrialization made it easier and cheaper to build bigger and bigger organs. Portland, Maine built an especially beautiful space that included an Austin organ, paid for by Curtis Cyrus, a publisher who wanted to give a gift to the city. We're lucky that we still have that organ today in restored condition to give us the sound of that era. Great worldwide exhibitions were popular at this time, and they always included music, and always had an organ, sometimes more than one. Here in St. Louis, the Los Angeles Art Organ Company supplied what would be the largest organ ever built for the 1904 World's Fair. The organ bankrupted the company, but it was finished and was heard by thousands of visitors every day. Now, while these exhibitions were only meant to be temporary fixtures, the organs were permanent enough that many moved on to new homes where they still sound today. The St. Louis organ became the basis for the great Wanamaker organ, which still plays at Macy's in downtown Philadelphia. In 1915, on the other side of the country, in San Francisco, the city was celebrating its rebirth from the disastrous 1906 earthquake with the Panama Pacific International Exhibition. Austin Organs, once again, was called on to provide an instrument for the Festival Hall. 
After the fair was over, the organizers, who had made a profit, something unusual for this type of exhibition, donated their proceeds and the organ to the city of San Francisco. The organ was installed in an existing auditorium in the city's civic center. The organist, Edwin H. Lemaire, who had been the organist of the exhibition, was hired to oversee the completion of the project and then to be the city's first civic organist. In this position, Lemaire was paid a fairly outrageous salary, more than the mayor. He was the highest paid organist in the world at the time. Now, that lasted until various politicians figured that out and objected, but the organ continued to be used until it was damaged in the 1989 earthquake. It was removed and restored, and it awaits reinstallation today. Of course, as the 20th century rolled on, a completely different type of entertainment venue appeared, and a completely different kind of organ came with it. The silent movies of the early 20th century needed music for accompaniment. Orchestras were expensive, and the big movie houses had them, but an organ was always a cheaper alternative. Designs of purpose-built accompanimental instruments were different from church organs, and even from concert hall organs. They were called upon to be a whole orchestra, but to do it cheaply, and with some car horns and horse hoof sound effects thrown in. Robert Hope Jones was a pioneer in organ building in this area. He's credited with inventing the theater organ as we know it today. Some unfortunate personal circumstances led him to sell his company to the Rudolf Wurlitzer Company in Tonawanda, New York, and the Wurlitzer name became synonymous with theater organs. Next week, we continue into the middle of the 20th century through the Depression and the organ reform movement and see where concert hall organs go from here. For now, I need to tell you that this episode of The King of Instruments has been sponsored by Quimby Pipe Organs of Warrensburg, Missouri. Quimby offers complete organ building and maintenance services for organs of all makes and styles. It's getting to be that time of year when the organ needs a little tuning to get through the winter. Has your church made a service appointment yet? Quimby Pipe Organs' dedicated service team can help you out. 
Give them a call today at 660-747-3066 or visit their website at quimbypipeorgans.com. There you can find out more about the team members at Quimby or read about their latest installation at First United Methodist Church of Athens, Georgia. You're listening to the King of Instruments on Classic 107.3. Jan Peter Zoon Svelink was a well-known Dutch composer born in 1562. Like Titelus, his life spanned the end of the Renaissance and beginning of the Baroque eras. His keyboard ability was widely known and was a large influence on the North German organ tradition that would flower in the Baroque era under Buxtehude and, eventually, J.S. Bach. Organist Carol Terry plays Unter den Linden Grün, Under the Green Lime Tree, by Svelink. Terry recorded this on the Fisk organ at Benaroya Hall in Seattle.
heard Carol Terry play Under the Green Lime Tree by Jan Petritsoon's Feilink. We are enjoying a feast of early music today on The King of Instruments. English composer, organist, and organ builder John Bull was born in 1562 and died in 1628. We will hear two of his compositions played by English organist Dame Gillian Weir. The first, titled Myself, could very well be how Dr. Bull saw himself musically. If so, he was a fun and jolly man. The second piece, titled Dr. Bull's Jewel, is also very light and playful. Inquiring minds want to know, what was Dr. John Bull's jewel? Hmm... Playing the 1974 Phelps organ of the Church of St. Andrew, Hexham Abbey, England, that was Gillian Weir and the music of John Bull. 
Thanks for listening to The King of Instruments. Complete information about everything we've played today can be found on our website, kingofinstruments.show. We hope you've enjoyed this brief foray into some of the earliest music written for the organ. We conclude today with a work penned by the most famous of the early music composers, Anonymous. We return to the artistry of early music expert Kimberly Marshall. From her recording, Gothic Pipes, the earliest organ music, we hear Gloria de Sancta Maria Virgine. Marshall is assisted by the singers of Capella Romana. The organ you'll hear is a 1985 Edskes Blanc instrument of 18 ranks, located in the Predigerkirche in Basel, Switzerland. Join us next week as we celebrate the music and antics of concert organist Virgil Fox. Until next time, I'm Bill Stein. And I'm Mark Schultz. Thanks for listening.
Thanks for listening to The King of Instruments. Complete information about everything we've played today can be found on our website, kingofinstruments.show. We'd love to hear what you think. Send your comments or questions to koi at kingofinstruments.show. The King of Instruments is a production of the Organ Media Foundation. Brent Johnson, producer. For more information about us, visit our website at organ.media.